Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This week's podcast is on forgiveness. Have you ever wondered how we arrived at those numbers of 70 times 7? The story is picked up in Matthew 18, verse 22, where Peter comes to Jesus and says, How many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, says Jesus, but 70 times seven. I think Peter was being noble. I think Peter was going past the expectation of the day based on Amos 1, which was that you should forgive someone three times. And Peter thought, well, in Genesis 4, verse 15, Cain was going to God and saying, hey, this punishment is too great. And God said, well, if anyone does something to you, then the judgment will be on them seven times. And Peter thinks, well, if the extreme of judgment is seven times, maybe the extreme of forgiveness should be seven times. And Jesus, picking up on what Peter had seen, goes forward to verse 24, where Lamech, a descendant of Cain, also killed someone. And he comes back to his wives and says, If anyone punishes me, it should be not seven times, but seventy-seven times. And I believe Jesus, who always wanted to multiply kindness, not simply add it, decided not seventy-seven, but seventy times seven. Jesus was always extreme in his forgiveness. And that's something that Paul picks up in Colossians 2. He says, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory on the cross. And that word disarmed, N.T. Wright, the retired bishop and now the chair of New Testament and early Christianity at University of St. Andrews, argues that Disarm should actually be exhausted. And what he's really saying is that Jesus exhausted the spiritual rulers and authorities. He could outforgive their savagery. He could forgive more than they could abuse. We often think of something that's done against us as leaving a bad taste in our mouth. I think that we have no idea of what Jesus has experienced on our behalf. When we talk about a bad taste, are you aware that Jesus died with a taste of excrement in his mouth? In Luke 23, verses 36 and 37, it talks about the soldiers that mocked him and put a sponge with sour vinegar to his mouth so he'd have a drink. In those days, in the public baths, rich people used a thing called a tesorium. It was a sponge on a stick that was used as a form of primitive toilet paper. It was used to wipe away the excrement. Poor people who couldn't afford their own would hire one. And so there would be a bucket with tesoriums that were there, sponges on a stick sitting in sour wine to stop the infection. And quite probably it was one of these that was put up to Jesus' mouth. The reason he didn't drink was here he was, dying for the very men that were trying to give him a drink from used toilet paper. Jesus understands forgiveness in a way that we will never. 
the commandment for us is to always forgive. But forgiving people doesn't mean that we always have to be a doormat. Sometimes in Christian circles, there is a sense that we simply have to take whatever abuse is handed out to us, that we're to be doormats. But there's also a place for us to put in boundaries. We are able to set up boundaries that require people treat us as equals. And Jesus made this really clear in the Sermon of the Mount. Matthew 5, 39 to 41, that's often used as a process for people just sucking it up and having to turn the other cheek and go the extra mile, isn't actually about us just taking whatever is handed out. It's about us engaging in nonviolent protest. See, Jesus gave three examples. Two were based around the rules of the day, but the middle one was actually a religious law. Turning the cheek didn't mean that, well, if someone struck you, just turn the cheek so you give them a chance for a second shot at it. It was understanding that in the time that Jesus lived, people of a lower class were struck backhanded. And if you turned the other cheek, it forced them then to strike you open-handed, which was to strike you as an equal. Jesus was saying, if someone treats you poorly and hurts you, make them treat you as an equal. The whole idea of giving your coat is based on Deuteronomy 24 verses 10 to 13, where you couldn't take the coat from somebody. In fact, in verse 15, it said that God would be against you and count it to you as a sin, while treating them kindly and returning the coat to them so that they wouldn't be literally left out on the cold, would count you as righteous in verse 13. It's actually a requirement that we treat people with kindness and compassion, that we don't use our circumstances, our strength or our wealth to victimise people or to take things from them. It means that we cannot use whatever means to disadvantage another person. To do so is to incur the wrath of God. And then we see Jesus refer to the rule that Romans could require Jews to carry a load for a mile, but only a mile. Because once it had been carried a mile, the Roman then had to take the load off you, or they risk being prosecuted, and so they had to pay you. And so Jesus was saying, carry it two miles and then that person has to treat you with some dignity and some respect. We see the same thing echoed elsewhere in the New Testament. Owe no man anything but love. Jesus wasn't saying this is a way of extorting money out of people, but he was simply saying extend kindness to the point that people are actually in a position where they have to acknowledge who you are and what you have done. It is legitimate for us to put in boundaries to protect ourselves. When Jesus talked about forgiveness, it wasn't just something he taught on. It was something he demonstrated. When Jesus passed through Samaria with the disciples in Luke 9, it talks about them being declined any accommodation. 
So in verses 51 to 55, we see Jesus being identified as a Jew on his way to Jerusalem. And Samaritans who hated the Jews thought, blow you. I'm not giving you any accommodation. You can sleep in a ditch. Which is why the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, I guess. James and John, knowing that they were really near the place where Elijah had called down fire, said, well, Jesus, why don't you reap judgment on these people? Why don't you give them a taste of that old-fashioned, Old Testament vengeance? And Jesus rebuked them. We don't know what Jesus said or what occurred, but what we know is what happened afterwards. You see, when someone treats us badly, if someone failed to treat us well to the extent that we had to sleep in a ditch, can you imagine what we would say to them? Can you imagine what we would say about them to other people? And yet the very next, next time that Jesus tells a story in the next chapter, who's the hero of the story? It's a Samaritan. At the end of chapter 9, he has to sleep in a ditch because they won't accept him. And yet the very next time he tells a story, he makes a Samaritan the hero. I love the fact that Jesus does not talk badly about other people. I love the fact that he forgives them. He speaks well of them. Imagine if we treated forgiveness a little bit differently to what we often do. See, we often see the word as remitting or forgiving. We see it as cancelling out a debt. But when Jesus spoke about forgiveness, he meant not just to release people from judgment, but to love them and to speak well of them. I trust that as you learn to forgive people, you will also learn to speak well of them. God bless. Thank you for joining the Cultivate podcast. If we can help you with anything or you'd like some notes, please email us at crosscultivation at gmail.com. God bless.